enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether your solar wave sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. My dad came into my room holding his hat. Minnesota. Welcome all to Mission Accomplishers. Mission Accomplishers, this week, hosted solo by yours truly, Hunter Hawes. And we're in fact live right now. So, I'm here by myself. Eric ran into like some car trouble, I believe. So, Eric, if you got the radio on, feel free to give me a call, 952-946-6205, because... Tonight's going to be a little different version of Mission Accomplishers. We're going to uh, take a look at my past music life and play some songs. uh, And I'll provide some stories, some uh, little anecdotes of another time in my life. One that was less political and more musical. So I'll start things off with my band, Ben Sayre. And this was really our first single, as well as our first music video of any sort. Uh, The song's called Apollonian. And you'll notice a little, uh, during the song. And it really gives the song its complete character. But it was added at the very last second by me just talking into a sampler directly into the little crappy mic it had and giving Renata, who is our violin player, uh, my bass guitar. And uh, that's how the song came to be. And the next day we went off on tour and we played it like that ever since. So uh, start things off with our very first single of my band, Vencer, Apollonian. Good job. 
Apollonian by Ben Sayre. Uh, that was my band when I lived out in New York City. I started the band uh, with my best friend who I grew up with here in Minnesota. And um, we, uh, me, Eric, and Alex La Liberté, the singer of Ben Sayre, all grew up in Lakeville, Minnesota, actually. And um, Alex moved out to New York right before I did. And um, it, it really worked out perfect. We didn't um, plan this out to really pursue music to the degree that we did. Um, when we were in high school, that was really our first priority with everything. Uh, it was really the thing that we cared most about. So we were starting bands when we were 14 years old, playing at uh, the 400 bar and being just kind of scrappy kids. Uh, I do remember dragging Alex to a uh, Michael Moore film, though. So politics was the one other thing that I cared about. 
uh, at the high school teenage age. And um, uh, first getting out to New York, we didn't have the plan to start the band. And eventually I went to school for music at Berklee College of School in Boston, leaving New York for a couple of years. And me, Alex, and the three others eventually got together and made this band. Uh, so let's play another track. And we will uh, talk more. And we'll be speaking with a member of the band uh, after this track. So this one is called Song 6 by Vencer. We're listening to Hunter's Old Music Collection here on Mission Accomplishers this week.
Voice of Minnesota, Hunter Haas, on a special edition of Mission Accomplishers, an episode where Eric's stuck on the side of the road. So, Eric, if you're listening, give us a call. Phone number 952-946-6205, as well as anyone else who has some comments, because we're taking a look back at some of my uh, recorded music in my life. And joining us now is... The bandmate of this project, Ben Sarah, as well as my best friend, Alex Liberté. Alex, you are where now? Arizona? I live in Cave Creek, Arizona, yeah. But uh, you're actually in Arizona at this moment because you move around a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at the moment I'm writing a, I'm writing a, a feature film uh, that sounds in like, Arizona. That sounds like you. Um, so yeah. Yeah, Ben Sayre, the the thing that really intrigued me about it, because we were, I mean, we were close, we were friends at the time, and we were both living out east, but um, kind of an unusual setting. I was going to school in Boston, and you were in yep. uh, New York at NYU, and I was uh, basically coming every <laughs> weekend and sleeping in the same bed as you for... I don't even know how long, a year and a half or something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, but what, uh, you had this huge vision for the band and uh, as a conceptual project. So, yeah. um, kind of explain where yeah. that came from and, and why uh, concepts are so important to you as a person. Right. Um Good times, by the way, back then. They were so fun. Yeah, we living in the Lower East Side together. Um, well, um, so I was in school for philosophy at the time. So um, a lot of a lot of my influences came from wanting to do something bigger to talk about concepts, um, talk about concepts that I was learning about in philosophy and uh, ideas that I was kind of coming up with um, in a philosophical way. But I was really really like inspired by other musicians especially like pink floyd and animal collective that were making something a world that you could exist in and because of that you could really i don't know it just it just mm-hmm. it gets your gets your brain going you know and um that was something i kind of felt was missing from a lot of music back then was that like there was music that was like viscerally you know, like dance music and things that make you want to move your body and, and things that are fun mm-hmm. um, to just bop your head to, you know, like pop music. But um, I wanted to make something that that 
that made you feel, but that, that the feeling was essentially manufactured in order to get you to think about something. So when it came to songwriting, um, I wanted to make something fun and danceable and, uh, you know, our, our shows were always like the most fun things. People would be dancing in the crowd. We'd be, um, especially our, one of our first shows. I remember, um, in that, in that house and that, uh, we did a yeah, our very party, party. very yeah, first our very show. First we show. got <laughs> spoiled and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really like did. the coolest thing that could ever happen. And so it was in yeah. Brooklyn, New York in the, a house party on was it Halloween? Uh, yeah, it was Halloween. So there was a ton of people there. Uh, we had never played a show before, and we're the the main act, and everyone is just basically dancing in unison to us, like they had been listening for years. And uh, yeah, it was just exactly. it, it, it was such a a ball. And uh, really, I moved back to New York shortly after that because I I was still that was the last leg of my. Boston yeah. experience. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to get back to New York so badly. Totally. I, I, it's just so fun. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, that was why I pursued it and why I had so much trust in you as the kind of singer and uh, creator of the concept of Venser. Yeah. And um, it it's true. You don't see often large concepts in pop music these days and uh there's there's so much i mean it's cliche to say just manufactured like corporate music but um it's it's not even that what it is is there's not often artists who want to explore the full potential that they can and yeah the that was what was exciting about this project at, was at least we were trying because it wasn't exactly uh you also mentioned just now the uh the visceral part and like um having influence of uh, rave music dance music or hip-hop just mm-hmm. exciting things and making the shows exciting but then also having all these hidden uh kind of trinkets within the songs and music and album uh so that mm-hmm. there was a deeper level than just uh flashy things all around so uh, yeah i mean that's that's that kind of that's actually kind of it also ties into um like video games for me when i was a kid uh and i'm sure you feel the same way but like the idea of that easter egg yeah you know of like of like of like especially with zelda or something like that where you play these games and they're fun and everything and then you find that that secret or you discover that one thing that you feel like no one else in the world has found but you. And and I think that, that that sense of mystery is something that I always was trying to bring to the project where, you know, you could listen to it as a fun pop song if you wanted to, but if you, if you wanted to, that there was a whole world for you to dive into with the record. So, and that's something that, I, I mean, there's a, there's a few artists, I think uh, Tame Impala, uh, last record, Currents, and um, and Frank Ocean with Blonde. I think those two records did a really good job of doing that, creating some sort of mystery, um, you know, by using interludes or um, by the lyrical content, or in, in Frank Ocean's uh, case, using samples. And, and samples, to me, are a, a big part of music making to kind of uh, solidify yourself or the, the listener to solidify themselves in a world that is um, 
laden with all this media all the time. So to kind of almost be a curator in that sense of samples and of things to listen to. Um, Absolutely. And also lend the music to, you know, having a greater message, I think. So, so let's... Definitely, um, definitely that. Let's take a listen. Our, our first EP in Vencere was a concept itself where each right. member of the band wrote a song and uh, we facilitated their vision for it. So we had five distinct songs that represented the members and uh, we'll play mine, Cone Tiki, because yep. uh, that is a, a perfect way to also introduce uh, the other musical component of my life, which was DJing nightclubs in New York City. And, of course. <laughs> uh, my DJ name was Tiki Shack Funhouse. And uh, <laughs> let's take a listen to Cone Tiki, and then uh, we'll be back on this special edition of Mission Accomplishers. Eric Stuck on the Side of the Road. So, uh, take a listen to this. My past band, Vencere, Alex Liberté joining us. Here is Cone Tiki. Progressive Voice of Minnesota, Hunter Haas on Mission Accomplishers. Solo, live tonight on July 20th. Uh, Mission Accomplishers, every Saturday, 7 p.m. here on AM 950, KTNF, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Uh, usually, too, we're pre-recorded. And um, my co-host, Eric Nelson, he had some car issues tonight. So... I didn't quite know what we were going to do. So I decided, let's have a music episode. And my good friend, Alex Liberté was nice enough to join. So we got Alex on the line. Alex, um, you brought up 
samplers, and there's kind of like the ability to explore different territory with music. And um, right. So hearing that song of mine, I it, it brought me back to kind of where I was at that time, and uh, I remember I was kind of musically and just how I was seeing the world and um, how things are done. It was kind of a moment of almost punk rock where I was just kind of challenging what I thought music was and right. uh, the potential music has. So uh, it was, it's always strange to listen because none of that to me ever sounds polished or finished because it was, I didn't quite know, but I knew the direction that I wanted to go. Uh, right. And I know that a lot of people put down like auto tune and think that it just like creates talentless hacks basically. And right. I actually, I, I think of it different. Uh, if music just looks at like virtuosity and skill mm -hmm. as the only like discernible good or like uh, the only thing worth listening to, you're right. really killing the the creative potential of where we're going, like where technology is, um, what could mm -hmm. be interesting to listen to because what something like auto-tune potentially does and it gets a bad rep because of how people associate it. But really, if you take away the skill component and not having to have to spend 10 years mastering a certain part and rather right. you can focus on ideas, you're mm -hmm. going to get far more interesting music. And the, the reason that it's like not there yet is because it's a, it's a new technology. It's a new thing. We haven't had time pass yet where uh, the time creates kind of a filter and the best things are the ones that stay around. So you can think that like the 70s were all great music, but it's like, no, there was terrible music back then too. It's oh, just of course. that has been forgotten, the bad music. So uh, yeah. You're, it's harder to know what is like uh, pioneering in the moment because exactly. the things haven't well, happened I mean, yet. There's, I mean, I, I think I think auto tune is, is a tool like anything else. Obviously, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, when that punk rock attitude, essentially the the ability for anyone to create music has been a trend um, ever since rock and roll and blues came around. And folk music is, is the same thing. Um, and so, you know, when, you know, rock and roll is, is three chords. So that, that already said right, right then that virtuosity was dead, you know. And then you started to get more, ta more and more talented players and it started becoming more complex. And then when rock and roll kind of reached a, a zenith of um, almost like a virtuosity again, what what did we get? We got punk rock music. So people mm -hmm. saying, "I don't want this. I don't care about this virtuosic music. I want I want music that's raw and that's real and that anyone can make and anyone who has a voice can talk about." Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a grassroots thing, you know. You 
if, if you're not represented by the world at large, then it's, it's your responsibility to change it and to, and to kind of start your own thing. If you're not seeing what's, what's anything that represents you in the world, well, start representing yourself, you know? And even, even in the 80s with drum machines and all that stuff started happening, one of the best drummers in the world, um, I think it's, it's Peter Gabriel, I think mm-hmm. that's his name, but he, he, he right, that's, he, did, he did drumming, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he, he was saying how he, he loved the drum machine because for him it was that drummers get bored and they start improvising, but he just wanted something simple and um, plain for his ideas to be heard in a louder way. So everything's just a tool, um, if you and you have to just use it properly, you know. So yeah. I think uh, auto tune is just, it's gonna it's here for, it's here to stay. I, I don't think it's going anywhere, and, and I think um, you know, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> a, th- uh, a thing that people don't realize is that auto tune is being used a lot of the time, and they're not even aware of it because it's not the yeah. the sound that they associate with that that really heavy T pain whatever. Uh, exactly. Pop music, uh, but so, uh, folks, we haven't um, we haven't changed format, so don't be freaking out at if you're <laughs> used to a different program. Seven p.m. Saturday here on AM nine fifty. But um, like I said, Eric, uh, he's stuck on the side of the road, so I decided to do something spur of the moment and uh, go play some tracks that I was involved in. Uh, Alex was willing to come on at the last second, really. Uh, and and um, we're talking music and some music that we made. But um, going back to our usual topics and kind of relating this to uh, the policies and law, think about samplers. And then um, in America... We have. Do you want to explain what a sampler is, maybe? Yeah. Okay. So a sampler it takes little snippets of audio. That's like um, you can take anything. You can um, play it yourself and record it, or you can uh, take a record and play it, and just you can get any sort of sound and a file, and then manipulate it certain ways and have it play back and. Um, you, you often see them with pads that are kind of like uh, used for drum machines and sequencing. So it's a way to, um, one way that it's often used is kind of remixing songs or taking bits from it and looping them and changing an already existing song. But in America, we have a, a very free market capitalist economic system that protects corporate interests and what we've run into is we have this technology that can create really amazing interesting music but technically it's illegal every song is illegal often they don't go after people but it's always there's always a threat that your like uh, well-being from your creation could be completely stripped away just because these corporation record companies own the copyrights and intellectual property and can at any point they want really just seize anything that you've made from 
your creation. And that's we've kind of right. gotten better, but absolutely we're not in an ideal state because sampling is never going to go away. It's it's here right. to stay. But uh, well, how what like happened with uh, B- Bittersweet Symphony and whatever. So mm-hmm. Bittersweet Symphony sampled uh, the Rolling Stones, and that 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 song was a huge hit. Um, and that, that person should have made a ton of money from it. And it was a completely original song, sounded nothing like the Rolling Stones, sounded nothing, but because of that sample, the Rolling Stones owned that song and didn't give him, didn't give the creator who had a completely novel idea, completely, if you heard that song, you wouldn't think Rolling Stones, you wouldn't think that he's taking any money away from the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. but yet the Rolling Stones, because they could, they did. And they took the song away from him and, now, recently, they just gave him the rights back. And I guess they made enough money on it. These, but I don't know. The way that laws are written in regards to like intellectual property of music and uh, owning the copyrights to songs is it's absolutely insane at how the law is written because any chord progression that is the same can be challenged and said that that's plagiarizing <laughs> and we own that song. And that's been done. And really, the, it's so messed up that whoever's lawyers are more powerful are just going to win the case. And th- that's why, exactly. uh, like, the, uh, it's, it's really interesting that the, like, record industry and, like, recorded music as an industry has been wiped out. Because ultimately, that kind of is a good thing. Because it, it, all that happened was you had complete corporate control going on. You right. had these, uh, the musicians were not the ones getting the fruits of their labor. It was just a constant screwing over of uh, the creators of the actual music and having laws written that just protected the the owner of the recording. So um, kind well, of how I mean- piracy came about with Napster and all that, it's right. kind of a good thing, but the unfortunate thing is there's never a good outcome for musicians. <laughs> well, I, the, the the main thing now is just like it, the dying label, that label system. Yeah. Sure, that went away, but it's re- been replaced by streaming services like Apple and Spotify, and they're the new labels. So, um, yeah, sure, it, it kind of made everyone able to make music, and because of technology, anyone can make music. But essentially, that splits the the pie into smaller and smaller increments. And if you're ever wondering why you haven't heard a lot of good music lately, or you're finding it hard to find new music, it's because the musicians get get paid like fractions of a penny on mm-hmm. every time they play. So it's, let's say you want you're on Spotify and you're playing a musician who's got five million million uh, streams, right? You must be like, wow, that person's doing really well. That person is making probably less than $20,000 a year mm. just scraping oh, by but yet clearly his music should be or their music should be um, you know making them a lot of money but it just doesn't anymore and and so you're going to see a lot of I mean even in the, even more and more in the future you're going to see either a really big star like a Beyonce or uh, Frank Ocean or something like that or you're going to see kind of nothing at all mm-hmm. nothing else at all so um, yeah it's, it's a tough market and, and people will say like well it's a good way for them to to get people to go to their shows, 
But again, like that's a lot of money to spend up front for a person who makes twenty thousand dollars a year to tour the country. It's it's weird because we have these demands about having free music and having and we and our lives are greatly enriched by these things. And yet we have laws and we have um, in practice kind of there's no protections to, to, to keep any of these people alive. I mean, I mean, yeah. even like great pioneering, influential. Uh, legendary musicians like uh, Dick Dale, the surf guitar guy. Yeah. Uh, he was touring until the time of his death in his 80s, 90s, and died from like a uh, inadequate health care. So it's there's nothing set up for artists in America, uh, in yeah. really any medium. And like you said, you Beyonce, what we have is a system that really rewards the top earners, the top, like, whoever is the pinnacle of their medium, and then uh, everyone else struggles to create any sort of semblance. So it it yeah. doesn't, it, the system isn't set up for art, but people uh, have sh shown that they, they, they demand having these things. They demand exactly. music. They demand exactly. having movies that everything um it, people want more and more of it but there's no sort of exactly. compensation and that's a decision well, of just organizing society exactly i agree with you and, and movies are a really great example actually because you're if you, especially a lot i'm sure a lot of people are watching um tv and and stuff at home mostly going to theaters um which is a thing i mean that's fine if you want to watch the movie that way i understand that idea but it, because because of that, um, people are complaining about like formulaic movies and all the movies are like the same and there's too much CGI in movies, but it's the same problem. Movies are either $200 million mm -hmm. and they're, they're cookie cutter and you, you feel nothing after seeing them or they're like $5 million and then they don't get in distrib distribution anywhere. Mm -hmm. so you, don't, you never see them. And the, those interesting movies, those small budget movies are the movies that people, I think, really want to see. It's just that that two hundred dollar, that two hundred million dollar uh, movie is a tentpole movie. So it, it appeals to kids and parents and everyone. So you don't get this kind of slice of life like this really speaks to me. You get a this is you know kind of formulaic bad guy, bad guy gets killed by the good guy kind of thing. You know. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's funny that we, as a society, we want we want new and novel and interesting and we want to be changed by art we live our lives to consume art that's the, the only reason we're alive like and you know so it's interesting i don't know i just think that it's weird that where we place our values versus what we where we spend our money you know yeah it, it's really interesting too because um i mean this this was such a huge part of uh the first part of my adult life and um it really when me and you were talking about all these issues that uh, musicians face, it's like, wow, it's, it's exactly the same as so many of the other things I talk about. Like, uh, lately, Absolutely. I've been um, focused on just kind of the media, corporate media consolidation, and um, yeah. th there's just, there's absolute gatekeepers in every sort of industry that <laughs> people, people don't, no, you're like your general American citizen 
doesn't understand that life could be different is the thing. They just say that this is how things are. That, that Not that it's by design to keep like the ruling class in power. But uh, Alex, let's uh, play a tune and then uh, we'll continue the conversation here on Mission Accomplishers. This song is Porteño by Ben Sayre, me and Alex's band. Uh, we'll be right back on Mission Accomplishers. Well, we're 
1950, Crest Voice, Minnesota. This is Mission Accomplishers, kind of a unusual, unique edition of the program. We are live tonight, and we are talking about music with my bandmate, former bandmate, always best friend, Alex Faliberte. Hello. How you doing, Hunter? I'm great. And um, I to play that song... I uh, pulled it up on YouTube, and I was watching the, the video that you made for that, and that's kind of become your focus lately, just all-out change from pursuing music, uh, bands, and focusing towards videos and uh, movies. And um, yeah. can I explain that? Because I, I have a similar complete change of uh, focus in my life, too, so... Uh, talk about that transformation and just what you're yeah. doing these days. Well, um, so after Vencere, um, uh, after the band kind of split up a little bit, um, I still wanted to make music, so I made a solo project called OTM, um, O-T-I-E-M, and I worked on that for three years, recording it and uh, doing everything on that for my, uh, myself, and I did an hour-long uh, music video for it, um, because I had done a few music videos for Vencere and I thought, why not, um, why not do one for myself? So I did that and then I, uh, left New York and came down to Phoenix after that. And people had seen that music video a few times. And so the, uh, our friends are still in music right now. Um, Rob, Rob Thomas and, uh, his band Widow's Peak. So they asked me to do music video for them. And then I got to do some music videos for Rob's solo project. And then my friend, um, Matt, he also is still in music and he has a, a project called Undercover Dream Lovers. And so I just kept getting asked to do music videos from because of the music videos that I've previously done. And that just ended up becoming what I've been doing for the last two years, um, which is nice because I, I, uh, I really liked doing the... Uh, the OTM music videos and so I got lucky to, uh, that people felt the same way uh, so yeah I've just been doing that and then because of uh, better writing music at the time like a couple of years ago and I was planning on doing another big uh, record and a big music video but because I just kept getting commissioned for these music videos I uh, started watching more film to try to get better at what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I started uh, writing scripts and, and now I'm uh, in the process of making a feature film. So uh, that'll be a feature film is an hour and a half long or longer. So um, yeah, I just finished another music video for uh, undercover dream lovers. That'll be coming out in September. And uh, yeah, so my, my efforts are of, have completely shifted, but yeah, isn't again, it interesting how life goes uh, completely how you didn't plan? <laughs> that uh, exactly, yeah. We, it seems yeah, I, I think for the better. It seems at least I relate to that a lot. That uh, I make all these plans in my life, and I'm certain that that is what I'm going to do. And nah, life life ain't having it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I the the more that you can kind of embrace that and just yeah. um, be, uh, you, the, there's a bit of a yin and yang to it because you both should be fluid but have purpose at the same time. 
So, right. Uh, right. Bend, not break. That's what they always say. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I, I had a, a similar uh, transformation myself. Like, I left New York 2014 and uh, came back to Minnesota. And I had no idea what I was going to do anymore. Because uh, all yeah. I knew was that I no longer wanted to do music because I saw what we accomplished uh, in, as a band, as a, a DJ, and it was like, it was better than I ever could have dreamt up. And to me, it's like, I there's not much more that I want to do, need to do. Um, right. It's going to come to a point where it just starts becoming tedious and I like resentful, like because yeah, I I just didn't see the uh, an, enough growing room for me to long term, which which is how the music industry is, and uh, the yeah, uh, it, it, it I wasn't going to be happy doing that. I realized, but I didn't know what well, I was going to do it, instead. It's because I think a lot. I mean, our story I think is is becoming more and more common where you, you give your heart and soul to something and you think it's going to work out for you, but it the there's no money to be had in the industry. There's no, um, there's no possible way you can continue. And you can, you can continue working your job and trying as hard as you can and keep putting music out, but there's the, the reality kind of sets in at some point where you have to say, I, I need to start saving money or I need to start doing this or I can't see myself doing this at 40 if, uh, if I'm going to be struggling like this my whole life. So uh, it's unfortunate and that's I think that's what's going to be what keeps happening to artists in general if we don't have a, uh, a value system placed in like a national endowment fund for, for musicians mm-hmm. or for artists in general. Um, Absolutely. I think that's there be has really to be some thing. sort of way of uh, just properly funding artists uh, because it is valued by everyone i think if you ask any american uh you're going to get an overwhelming agreement that artists are important and should uh have a a quality life uh so and i don't know what the exact solution is and it's much harder too when you have uh the republican control of the entire federal government uh who, who want nothing to do with any sort of subsidies for the art both for right. because of the subsidy and the art. They don't like either, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, it's, 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 just, it's just short-sightedness, mm-hmm. you know? And that seems, to be, that seems to be kind of the Republican mantra is, let's put some Band-Aids on everything. Um, I'm already, like, I'm old. Why should I, why should I invest in the future? And that's, that's so, it's just an unfortunate way of seeing. It's, it's trying to maintain this, this uh, status quo, but and not and not wanting to change because they that's the only way they can make money. The only way that they can do what they continue to do is to um, is to maintain a status quo and not and not bend. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that they want they want artists and and, and you know all the other people that they don't agree with maybe um, to bend and to find new ways of doing things in order to make their art. But if you ask them the same question, if you ask them to bend. Uh, they would have no part of that. So it's disheartening in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. It's this kind of double think in a weird way. Yes. Um, and, okay, I've got to kind of change the topic because we're almost out of time and i got to fit this in before the show is over. But uh, 
Tuesday, July uh, Tuesday, July 30th at Shepherd of the Hill Church in Chaska. They're having a Tuesday dialogue series, Empathy, and uh, uh, it's a dialogue on race in America and providing a toolbox for racism as, and having conversations in our everyday life, having tactical solutions for addressing racial tension because my community of Chaska, where this is taking place, has had several incidences arise in the school and the city. So join us, Shepherd of the Hill Church, Tuesday, July 30th at 7 p.m. Uh, find more information at chaskachurch.org. All right, Alex, uh, thanks for joining us today. And, um, it's been a pleasure. It's been anything, good to anything you... Um, Anything you want to plug? Any websites? Any where should people go to check you out? Um, just you can go to my Instagram. It's O T I U M. Uh, you can go there, or you can go to my uh, Vimeo, which is vimeo.com slash O T I U M nine nine nine. You can go check out some videos. All right, and as always, remember, folks, prosecute the Bush administration for war crimes. We're coming for you, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Bye, man. Information is a weapon of mass destruction.